Blog Talk Radio. between football and wrestling has been apparent throughout the years. And today on the Ken Reedy Show, we'll explore that connection. We'll get into it. We're just going to have some fun talking football and wrestling in this glorious Super Bowl weekend. What better time than to do a wrestling and football type show? People, millions, everybody on the planet is going to be glued to their TV sets tomorrow night, perhaps except Giants fans who will be sitting at home on YouTube watching replays of Scott Norwood and David Tyree. But I digress. You have tuned in to the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling and sometimes football talk. Thank you all for tuning in on this Saturday because... We weren't going to compete with the Super Bowl, so we're doing a little Saturday edition of the Ken Reedy Show, and thank you all for tuning in, and who knows, maybe Giants fans will give us a, give the replay a listen tomorrow during the Super Bowl. I can't imagine there being two more teams that Giants fans would hate than the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots, but I don't know, well, yeah, listen to our show during the Super Bowl. What else? Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you want to give us a call, 347-838-9815 is the number to call. You want to call in, you got football, wrestling stuff. We're going to give some rumble reaction as well. It's all on the table. Give us a call. Again, 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Always posting some great stuff over there. On the Facebook page, you can check us out on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at the Ken Reedy Show. Check us out over there. Tweeting is your thing. And our website is thecanreedyshow.com. You can listen to the show over there. Uh, blogs, pictures, lots of great stuff. So check us out on thecanreedyshow.com. Thank you all. Like I said, if you're listening to us live today on this Saturday edition of the Ken Reedy Show, I thank you so much. But maybe you're listening to us. Uh, pre-recorded and if you are you're listening to us on b plus players 
the B-plus Players Radio Network, lots of great stuff over there. We just keep expanding and, and growing and growing. Uh, proud to be a part of this network. So check out the B-plus Players, all the great shows on the network. We're proud to be a part of it. And as we get into it, very unique. We've never done a show like this, connecting football and pro wrestling. Usually we take the Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl weekend off, but we're working. We're working for a living. So without further ado, 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 let me bring my tag team partner on the line all the way from sunny Connecticut. Dave, how you doing this evening? Chan, I'm going to have to differ with you on a couple of things in your opening statement. Number one, I'm a diehard Giants fan, and I will watch, the, I will watch tomorrow evening's Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Eagles. And secondly, I can find another team that I loathe as a Giants fan more than the Patriots and the Eagles, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. The <laughs> Dallas Cowboys are – are the Taliban. They are the Al-Qaeda of the National Football League. I can't stand them. Anybody who, who, who uh, who's opposes me as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I welcome you to call into this program telling me why the Cowboys, America's team, are a better team than the New York Giants, despite the obvious records in recent years. Bring it. Oh. And, and I'm, 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 I'm in the minority here on the show because another – Giants fan, also in studio today, independent sensation, Rocky Santiago. Rocky, how are you doing today? Doing good, Ken, and uh, I completely concur with Dave's statement. If you could truly cross over football and wrestling and make the Super Bowl some sort of freeway dance with all three of those teams and just set the stadium on fire, I would probably be dancing in the ashes. But then we wouldn't have much to talk about today, now, would we? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I mean, I personally, I think the NFL – um, misbooked the Super Bowl because to me, if you're booking the Super Bowl, I mean, you definitely book the Patriots, but but you you book the Vikings in there as the opponent because being a home team, first home team in history, I mean that's that's the ultimate heel versus the ultimate face. I mean that's that's the story you want to tell. That's that's Hogan Andre right there. So I don't know who's in charge of booking in the NFL, but. I, I kind of think they, they missed the boat there. I'm curious with you guys. Um, with the Super Bowl tomorrow, and, and you guys, I mean, you both of you as Giants fans, uh, look, the Patriots, all-time great team, one of the best runs in the, in the history of, of football, um, in the history of sports, honestly, um, a dynasty with, with two glaring missteps in, in this run of greatness, and, and that being against – your New York football giants. Um, when, when you, both of you guys, when you watch the Super Bowl, I know there, there's, there's a hatred, obviously, for the Eagles being a division uh, opponent, but obviously there's, there's always been that, that animosity towards the Patriots as well. Now, watching the game, aside from Rocky kind of rooting for just the stadium to burn down, it, do you root for the Eagles because the Patriots are the ultimate heel? Or do secretly do you root for the Patriots with the thought of I want my Giants to have the, the only two victories? So if the Patriots make the Super Bowl, I'm rooting for the Patriots because I want the Giants to to have the only two. I'm I'm kind of curious your your thoughts on that. Uh, you make a very good point, Ken, and you're 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 putting me on the spot here as a Giants fan to actually say to the public on radio. Uh, uh, which of these two teams I could possibly root for. And uh, honestly, if you had a gallon of bleach, I'd probably rather suck that down. But 
and Dave, I, I gave you full permission to shoot me next time you see me. I, I'm actually, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to put forth one iota of leaning towards the Patriots for exactly the the purposes you, you stated, Ken. Other than my distinct hatred of the Eagles, which is just about on par for the Cowboys. Yes. Uh, you know, th- th- there is a certain bragging right that we, I, I feel we as Giants fans can say, you know, no other team disrupted the perfect season. We were the monkey in the wrench. And it's a certain badge of pride, especially, you know, at considering the, uh, the recent play from the Giants as of late, we need everything we have to, we need everything to hold on to that we can get. So uh, that, that's how I view it. I, and, and it's interesting because like when you look at the Super Bowl, like it's, not not an undefeated season, but in in a weird way, it is kind of an amazing run the Patriots have been on, going back to last year. Historical comeback in the Super Bowl, winning in overtime. Somehow Tom Brady, at 40 years old, has an MVP type season this year. Finds himself back in the Super Bowl. Um, if if the Eagles were to win, it's like that. That's a big victory. That's a big knockout punch to the pages looking to looking to repeat looking to continue this run since last year and i i can see that where you kind of want the page to continue that run. if anyone's going to stop any patriot run it's got to be the new york giants if you're a giants fan what, what are your thoughts on this dave now that's probably the toughest question you have proposed on this show <laughs> the latest question in all seriousness no it really is i mean rock you made a great point you know we are the feather in you know we, as Giants fans, we have a feather in our cap that we disrupted the the undefeated season. How much more storybook can that get? And then it happened again, except the Patriots weren't undefeated that year in 2012. So, I mean, as a, as a Giants fan, I, I, it wouldn't necessarily bother me that the, that, the, that the Eagles were to beat the Patriots tomorrow. However, there's one caveat to that. And that's Philadelphia sports fans. Philadelphia sports fans, I'm sure that I'll probably never be able to step foot inside a stadium in Philadelphia ever again after I say this. But Philadelphia sports fans are a disgrace. They truly are. I mean, they're the reason why the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles organization created a jail inside their stadium. They were the first team to ever do it. They were the first team to ever do it because of the the behavior. They they throw snowballs at Santa Claus. And, I mean – for, for God's sake, they've just done some evil, dastardly things, some disgusting things at, at their home stadium, you know, during for many years during, you know, NFL games. And that's probably the one thing that would stop me from wanting the Eagles to defeat the Patriots. However, I'm the kind of person where I like to see different things take place, even in wrestling too. And I'd like to see somebody different win the Super Bowl. I respect the Patriots' ability as players and what they've accomplished as a team, and I'm not as big of a Patriots hater as most Giants fans are. I got some animosity towards them, and I'm sure that Tom Brady knew about those deflated balls. Let's be honest here. But I'm going to have to lean towards actually rooting for the Eagles. As much as it pains me because of their disgusting fans that they have, I, I think I'd want the Eagles to win tomorrow night. And I get that, you know, so I, I mean, in general, I think in, in sports and, and I mean, I, I love the Patriots. Um, you know, I'm a 49er fan. Um, 
and being a Montana fan growing up with Joe Montana, to me, Tom Brady is the closest I've seen to, to even sniffing uh, what Joe Montana was. Um, so I've always dug the Patriots, but I get that whole rationale that like, sometimes you just kind of, you want to see something different. You want to see a, a different narrative. I don't be surprised at a different narrative tomorrow night is that the Patriots blow out the Eagles. That's because all the Patriots Super Bowls have been close games. So maybe that winds up being the different narrative, but uh, I get it. And as, as uh, fans, as fans of everything, as fans of sports, fans of movies, fans of pro wrestling, uh, you love to see something different. And we kind of did see something different last week at the, the Royal Rumble where, you know, history made two Rumble matches. The ladies uh, get to main event the Royal Rumble telecast, which uh, surprised me. Um, I wasn't like annoyed or disgusted with them, like main eventing. I thought it was cool. And I thought they brought it. I, I was happy the way it was booked. I, I was, I was happy what they um, brought to the table. Um, I thought the ladies did a nice job at bringing back some legends and giving them the rub. The spot in, in the Rumble match with Mickey James and Trish Stratus was awesome. I thought they did a really nice job. I thought the match was paced well. Um, kudos to everything with the ladies' match. I thought the men's match was, was really good. Um, to me, I thought the card uh, in and of itself, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, and both Rumble matches were really good. I thought the rest of the card uh, fell flat on some levels. Um, a, a few of the matches didn't live up to, uh, for me at least, what I thought they would be. Uh, I expected a little bit more out of uh, a few of the matches on the card. I didn't like the Universal title match. I thought it was it looked sloppy. Uh, I could see the finish coming a mile away. Um, I, the, the Usos versus uh, Sheldon Benjamin and... and uh, why am I brain farting on his name? Chad Gable. Thank you. <laughs> Chad Gable. Uh, I just thought that that was real. I mean, I picked that as potential match of the night. I, I thought that was a disappointment. Um, but overall, I think I, for me, I came out of the Royal Rumble event satisfied as a wrestling fan. Um, I think it's intriguing that your two winners uh, both don't speak much English or speak English very well. So promo is going leading up to WrestleMania. Um, should be interesting to say the least perhaps a few what chants in different cities on the road to wrestlemania and, and honestly for me when i look at that i i, I think oscar's got a lot more charisma english is a second language than nakamura does uh for some reason i i'm invested in her character without a lot of uh, verbiage where i'm not with nakamura i, I look at nakamura right now is is we're going to get a pretty boring story arc from like January, February, March, April, and then they'll kick ass when the bell rings. Uh, I have no doubt they're going to give us a, a great match as long as they're given the time on the WrestleMania card. Uh, however, I look at Nakamura and AJ Styles, and I think of between now and then and, and the story arc, and in my mind's eye, I'm just yawning. Uh, I'm still not invested in Nakamura as, as a character, um, but like I said, I think once the bell rings that we're going to get something special probably at WrestleMania. So that's my, my overview of, of the rumble. Um, you know, I, I'd probably give it like a solid B B plus, uh, if they gave us a, you know, even a couple other matches that really delivered, uh, it probably would have ventured into the A's. But to me, this card was carried by the, the two rumble matches. Dave, your thoughts overall on the Royal rumble. Overall, I thought it was a fun show. 
I thought the men's rumble was probably the best rumble they've had in several years with the, the mixture of storytelling, the surprises, the entrance. I liked how they threw a couple NXT guys in. You know, we saw the Rey Mysterio appearance, which I'll get into later in the day five, with the Hurricane made a return, um, you know, albeit quick, but it got a big pop. The, the different interactions. I thought the men's rumble was done very well. You had a mixture. It was like a, it was like a variety show. You had a good mixture of action, comedy, storytelling, drama, all rolled into one for 60 minutes. And I thought it, like I said, one of the best rumbles they've done in many years on the men's side, the women, they delivered, they delivered. I think I loved how they, they brought in um, uh, a myriad of legends um, and previous women that have never competed in this, but like the Lita and Trish Stratus and Michelle McCool and you know, the Vicky Guerrero spot, even though she didn't look like she was dressed to compete, I thought that was great. Overall, I thought that was a, a, a good way to close the show and really help um, ga- give that match with the women instant credibility. Now, on the Ronda Rousey front, which I'm sure we're going to get into, but I'll just briefly touch upon it, I love the fact that she came out at the end. People have said, people have said that, it, that it, it stole the moment from Asuka and from the other women involved in the match, but if she won the damn thing, which most of the internet wrestling community was, was booking that she was going to win the damn thing, y'all would have cried foul that an outsider came in and stole all the girls' thunder for working so hard to get to that point, only for a, a part-timer like Ronda Rousey to steal the spotlight. So you should just be happy in the position that she was in. I like the setup with her. I like how she kind of entertained the idea of, of you know, getting, getting involved with Asuka, getting involved with the title picture, but also the Stephanie McMahon, uh, you know, angle too at the end when she shook her hand. I think they're kind of entertaining a few ideas with her. I just thought the setup was really done well. Like you, Ken, there were a few matches on the card I was disappointed in as well, both tag team title matches, the universal title match, but like you said, the two Rumbles really carried this show. I just thought overall there was a lot more positive coming out of this show than negative. And in recent years, the Royal Rumble has had a lot of negative reviews, some fairly, some unfairly warranted. But nonetheless, this year's Rumble, I think, really delivered and got us on a good start on the road to WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed this year's Rumble. You know, Rumble 2018, Asian Invasion. Uh, <laughs> You know, you had the IWC calling it as far as, you know, Nakamura and uh, Asuka. And I I can agree with you, Ken, as far as the characters between uh, Nakamura and Asuka. I think where they kind of splinter off is whereas you you kind of view uh, Nakamura as this mysterious, you know, where is this guy, like, coming from type of fighter. And Asuka, you see a much more serious with a touch of crazy of, you know, don't mess with, you know, we can wrestle, but as soon as you disrespect me, now I'm just going to stomp all over you. And I think that's where the character connects as a fighter um, more than Shinsuke does. Uh, As far as the other matches in the Rumble, like, I'm in the minority here, but I enjoyed uh, the Universal title match. Uh, I didn't expect it to be a, a ballet. I thought, you know, big guys throwing club and blows, you know, causing some collateral damage, I kind of expected it. And, you know, even when you look at it and you, you notice the, the accidental knee, the knee to Brock's head and, <laughs> and the ensuing receipt. Holy cow. 
That, 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 was, that was a highlight for me. Absolutely. You know, how, how, could, how could that not be a highlight? You know, it's funny because, like, a lot of times in wrestling, and I said, you know, the WWE does themselves a disservice a lot of times when they replay stuff in slow motion. Because you, you see something in slow motion, it's like, oh, that looked awesome. And then you watch in slow motion, you're like, yeah, he missed him by about six inches. Like, why would you show us that replay? They showed this in slow motion. And it was like, oh, my God. God, like the WWE and everyone involved is sincerely, they're lucky that that Strowman got up. Oh, like yeah. his legs buckled, like he could have knocked them out. That would have yeah. been an interesting finish. I, I can call what, exactly one more shot, and Strowman would have been in contact. Yeah, yeah, you're... And, and I could almost, I could almost hear Brock just say, "Slow down." Well, that's you know, it's interesting that you said that because that was one of the, and that's why we talked about on on the last show is. Is Strowman ready to be the guy going into WrestleMania? And that was one of the things that struck me that for a guy who's evolved a lot as a performer, and, and you and I, we've been in the ring, and, and we've seen in, in practice and in shows, we've seen people, when they get nervous, when they uh, get excited, they rush. And, and a lot of times, you know, we went to IWF, and, and a lot of times we got the notes, slow down slow down, tell the story. That's how Strowman struck me, which was surprising because he's grown a lot as a performer. He came across to me as very much a rookie, that he was rushing, that for some reason, I don't know if this was, he's thinking it's his spotlight, it's, it's his time at, at the Royal Rumble event. I don't know what it was, but he really seemed like he was rushing there. And you're right. It, it almost seemed like Lesnar was like, slow down. <laughs> And he had no choice after that. I mean, he better be in concussion protocol because, I mean, that would have knocked out a normal man. Oh, yeah. That, that first shot, I would have been like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pin me right now. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, but, you know, and you have to remember, especially when you're someone of uh, Strowman's size and strength, if you're not careful, yeah, you're going to hurt yeah. people. And, you know, one misplaced knee to the head, and that, and that could have been the end of Brock's career. And, you know, I, do I blame Brock for getting up and just whap, whap? No, can't say I do. Uh, but, you know, that that was definitely a highlight for me. I, I enjoyed the match. I, I can agree that the uh, a, a couple of the, the tag match fell, fell flat. I didn't like the whole, you know, Gable and Benjamin going down, you know, two falls to nothing. I, I, I didn't see how that helped that team. Like, the Usos don't need the help. They're established. They, you know, they do rule the tag team division. I don't understand why you needed to do that. But, you know, I'm not part of WWE Creative. That's their call. But overall, I would give it. I'd give it a solid B plus. Maybe even go into the realms of an A minus. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. Yeah, and, it was, and like I said, I think you know there's more positive coming out of this than negative. And perhaps a lot of the, the rest of the show was booked in a certain way um, for the Rumble matches to be uh, really the crown jewels of, of this event. And and that's what it was to me. That's um, the Royal Rumbles um, were important. Uh, they're well put together, they're entertaining, uh, and, and it put us right on that road to WrestleMania, which, which leads me to, you know, you, you get on this road to WrestleMania, and, you know, once you're on the road to WrestleMania, um, on this show, on Raw, SmackDown, if you want to get hammered, drink every time someone says road to WrestleMania, <laughs> or, and drink every time someone points to a sign. If you go that route, like, you're going to be good and hammered first hour of of Monday Night Raw. Um, But what kills me is, 
you know, WrestleMania season is is special. It's special in the calendar year. It's a special event um, as a wrestling fan. Um, you know, it's like to put it in perspective. Like tomorrow night is like the WrestleMania football. Um, so you know that's that's how big Mania is, and that's how special this time of year is. And and when you come out of the the Rumble event, you want to kind of give us something special. And and you had like. Uh, Oscar win, which was a cool moment after his, an historical um, Royal Rumble, the first ever ladies Royal Rumble. And you have that moment. And then Ronda Rousey's music hits. And it's, oh, my God, Rousey's really there. And she comes out and we have a moment. And we have a moment that kind of really kind of firmly says, it's WrestleMania season. Here we go. We're, we're pulling out all the stops. Ronda Rousey is here. We have our first ever female Rumble winner. And we let a moment happen with the ladies. So not only do we close the show with main eventing with the the ladies Rumble match, but you close out, you know, you don't bring Brock Lesnar back out at the end. You don't do anything like that. You close the show, the special moment with the ladies in the ring. And I swear to God, man. And, and, you know, we've always tried to stay positive on the show and we, Sincerely, I feel like we're more like bashing fans as opposed to bashing the, the product. Like, I mean, it is so asinine to me the people that are bashing Ronda Rousey and, and her showing up at the Royal Rumble. Number one, her coming down does not steal the thunder from anybody. Get over yourselves. If number one, it's not you. You know, it's you sitting at home. You know, with with your your gut hanging over your junk. And it's not fair. Oscar had a moment, and it was taken from her. Shut up. I mean, just stop it. It wasn't <laughs> taken from her. She had a moment. She won the Rumble match, the first ever. Ronda Rousey comes out, and guess what? ESPN covers it. So now ESPN is covering Asuka as the winner of the first ever ladies Rumble match. So shut up. It's the dumbest goddamn thing. The, the WWE has always brought in celebrities, brought people from different – different walks of life, and apparently Ronda Rousey has signed a full-time contract with the WWE. Just stop. It it brought more eyeballs to the product. You didn't have her involved in the Rumble match. She came out. She pointed to the sign. Um, She was the baddest woman on the planet for quite some time. If you're going to debut, I mean, you fans of that, would you prefer if, like, they sign Ronda Rousey? And let's, let's introduce her as Rita Ross, and we'll have her have an opening match on NXT, because that's only fair. That's the only fair thing to do. We shouldn't be giving her a spotlight. I mean, it's the, it's the dumbest thing. She's Ronda Rousey. She has to have a big entrance into the world of the WWE. And, and, and again, like, do your goddamn research, fans, because she came out during the latter part of Roddy Piper's life. Roddy and Ronda Rousey were friendly. And Ronda Rousey asked Rowdy Roddy Piper, if it was okay if she could use the Rowdy moniker. Her coming out with that T-shirt and that leather jacket, which, by the way, was loaned to her by the Piper family, was a tribute. It was an homage. She wasn't ripping off Rowdy Roddy Piper. She was showing respect and admiration for a Hall of Famer who's not with us anymore. And, And, you know, Jesus Christ, like you have the goddamn internet there, you're on it 90% of your goddamn life. Do some freaking research. I mean, for me, when I was growing up watching wrestling, 
I'd have to go to a library and navigate the Dewey Decimal System and the card catalog to find out the history <laughs> of anything. But you can just get on your goddamn smartphone and find out. Find out the fact that Rousey and Roddy were friendly later in his life. That, that, was, that was so – any fan that said that and bashed Ronda Rousey for coming out with a shirt design like that and, and that jacket is, is totally disrespecting the business, is disrespecting the memory of Rowdy Roddy Piper, and doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. So I just don't understand why you, – you took a big moment at the end of the Rumble and made it bigger by injecting Ronda Rousey. And now you have this situation where you have two champions – you have Asuka as, as the winner of the Rumble match. You have Ronda Rousey there. They're in the ring. What direction are they going to go in? Question marks abound, which is a good thing because it's the road to WrestleMania. And we, we already have AJ versus Shinsei booked. We need storylines to go to Mania. So I thought, like, debuting her there was great. The crowd popped when she came out. The negativity is just, to me... The IWC, let's be negative for the sake of being negative. We had a kick-ass Rumble event. We had Ronda Rousey there. Um, yeah, let's shit on it just because that, that's what we do. I, I just, I don't know about you guys, but the stuff I heard, it, it was interesting, and I just should have expected it. But when the show ended, I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, Ronda's here. Let, let, let's go. Let's, let's see what, the, you know, what this road to WrestleMania is going to bring us. And the next day, as I'm seeing, like, you know, I'm on social media and all the negativity thrown in her direction, I was just like, wow, really? Like, I just don't, for the life of me, I, I don't get fans sometimes. Like, you know, what did you want? How did you want them to bring her in? I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those occasions where you just wish you could kind of collectively slap the IWC upside the head. Um, you have folks who Ooh, want me, to put forth me, the argument. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we have our first volunteer. But, you know, you have, you know, granted, as a worker, you have people who train and perform and do this for a good chunk of their lives. And the argument is, oh, well, you're bringing these outsiders in. Well, you know what? Let's, let's examine these, quote, unquote, outsiders for, for a hot minute. Because, you know, Ronda Rousey is an avowed lifelong wrestling fan, A. B, Ronda Rousey was, for a good chunk of her time, involved in a full contact sport, which most of the IWC has never been, uh, taking hits to the face, to the head, to, to wherever, where most freaking of the IWC would cry like freaking babies. And, and you can look at this throughout you know, the annals of wrestling history, whenever they bring in athletes from other sports, be it, be it you know, boxing, MMA, football, you're, you're bringing people who are well-versed in getting hit, and now they're going to go practice to try to not get hit so hard. And, and, and really, your argument is that they haven't worked, and they haven't, you know, gone through the, they haven't gone through the pain and suffering and long training. You know, again, you just want to collectively slap these people upside the head several times. And she was, I mean, she was someone, you know, look, her MMA career ended abruptly and in a, like, in a way that most people didn't see coming. Sure. However, she's attractive. She was a celebrity that was everywhere. And when you look at the WWE and this, this ladies revolution, um, when you look at women's sports in general, 
it's Ronda Rousey and Serena Williams that have really done a lot to bring ladies' sports to the forefront of not the wrestling world, society as a whole. So you have someone who has championed the cause of, of being a legit main event female athlete, and the WWE has the opportunity to bring her into the fold. You know, how do you not see as a business? That's a no-brainer. Like, you have to bring her in, and you have to give her a high-profile spot. This is someone that in a probably more male-dominated world of MMA that she was able to main event. She was, like, pay-per-views are being sold based on Rousey, not the guys. That's how big she got in MMA. How do you not see that you have to bring – you have the opportunity to sign her. You have to bring her in, and you have to give her a big spot. It it just blows my mind sometimes that I'm like – you got something positive, and ultimately this is going – to me, I see this as something being, being very positive and really legitimizing the ladies wrestling in the WWE. To the point now where I'm looking at could you do like an all-female pay-per-view? And I think maybe you can now with, with the roster that they have. Um, I, I don't know. I just look at this as this is a good thing. It's a good business move. I think ultimately it's going to be great for the fans. And, and, and Dave, I, I just, again, the negativity just really surprised me coming out of the Rumble. I mean, it surprised me, but it didn't surprise me at the same time because the Internet complains about everything. The Internet hates the Internet. I mean, it, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> right? they, they do. They hate themselves. They hate the lives that they live. They hate the fact that they live in their parents' basement, that they're virgins, that they got their guts hanging over their junk. They hate themselves. So they need something to complain about, okay? Um both made great points regarding the, the, the moment that took place and the reactions of yourselves as well as the, the, the less than stellar reactions of fans that had watched on Sunday night. Uh, what I took away from all that was question marks, a lot of question marks, okay? But good, very good question marks. You know, Ronda Rousey's involvement at the end like you said, Ken, didn't steal a moment from Oscar whatsoever or from that women's revolution, okay? What it did was, was it elevated the, the, the status of all three of those women in that ring. Her, her stare-downs with both champions, Alexa Bliss and Charlotte, and the, the, the interaction with Oscar when Oscar kind of like, you know, slapped away her hand for the handshake. You know, potentially, whatever they decide to do creatively with her, like, you're telling a greater story, and you're emphasizing and adding to that moment that just took place. If she goes, at, if she goes after Charlotte and the, and the SmackDown Live Women's title at WrestleMania, you've just raised Charlotte's stock tenfold, okay? And you've made that, you made that moment at the Royal Rumble very pivotal and important for Charlotte's character. The same could be said for Alexa Bliss, okay? And the same could be said for Asuka, because not only did Asuka win the Royal Rumble, but she's got one of the most coveted things to, that she possesses currently and that's an opportunity and a title shot at Wrestlemania and how big would it be for Asuka's character to have a target on her back from as the internet would say a virtual outsider in Ronda Rousey to go after the, her for the opportunity to get that title shot to then face whichever champion she decides and then of course there's the Stephanie McMahon card that they could play as well creatively the interaction the two of them had at Wrestlemania a few years ago in, in uh, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara you know, that was a big moment. That moment, to me, in my opinion, it spawned off 
the rumors of a potential tag team match with The Rock and Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, which, according to the Wrestling Observer, that's something that's been discussed now for this upcoming WrestleMania. That's a match that mainstream media, professional sports, the wrestling world, they're going to be glued to that. On the other hand, from what I'm hearing, if The Rock isn't involved in that match, there's talk of either adding Kurt Angle or Braun Strowman to the mix because of their interactions with Stephanie and Triple H in recent months. But regardless of that, Ronda Rousey's still a part of that package, and therefore it's a big-time money match and a big-time moment for WrestleMania, which WWE thrives off of mainstream media attention, especially for WrestleMania. This is a slam dunk and a win for everybody. And anybody who says different, then you should stop watching WWE or just wrestling in general. That's the end of my rant. And I agree, man. And it's interesting. And we're going to get over, uh, on the other side of the break. You know, one of the most intriguing. I mean, we had Lawrence Taylor main event a WrestleMania, and you wonder if nowadays, like, can you do that? Would the internet warriors allow for that to happen? And how WWE Creative would have to tweak their approach if they tried something like that today? We're on the other side of the break. We're going to get into our football conversation, football and wrestling. The Connection. Give us a call. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Check us out on Twitter, at The Ken Reedy Show. Right now, there's our poll question up there. Ronda Rousey joined the WWE. Is this a good thing or not? Want to hear your thoughts on our Twitter poll. But now, it is time for the Day 5 News Report. Welcome to a Super Bowl weekend edition of the Day 5 News Report. Heard each and every week right here at The Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. And this news report is brought to you in part by B plus players radio. Search us on social media to find out what all the buzz is. You can like and or follow us on Facebook and Twitter to learn more about the thought provoking pro wrestling conversations. The lineup at B plus has in store for you on a daily basis. And that wouldn't be possible without the architect, the Dr. Seuss of B plus Mr. Mark Adam Haggerty. Aside from wearing many hats atop his man bun, he also hosts the flagship podcast of this network, The Outsider's Edge. As far as this show goes, you can find the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk, available for download late Sunday evenings, possibly early Monday mornings. And that's if Mr. Haggerty Haggerty isn't sleeping off the weekend from his excursions at local VFWs near you. Don't wait any longer. Find out for yourselves why B-Plus Players Radio is the place for all your pro wrestling podcast needs. Check us out right now. With all the shameless plugging out of the way, let's dive into this week's top stories. Kicking things off this week, according to the Wrestling Observer, WWE is showing serious interest in bringing back Rey Mysterio into the fold. After an impressive showing and strong crowd reaction as a surprise entrant in last weekend's men's Royal Rumble match, The company hopes Mysterio will return to action in a full-time capacity. Mysterio, on the other hand, is not open to returning on a full-time basis at 43 years of age. Currently, Mysterio is not under contract to any organization, as he was last seen on television as a part of Lucha Underground's third season. Mysterio was allegedly making roughly over $1 million last season on a limited schedule with Lucha Underground but couldn't come to terms on returning to the company after the future of a fourth season being up in the air. And Lucha Underground officials most likely wouldn't be able to afford Mysterio for another season. Impact Wrestling has had on-again, off-again talks with Mr. 619 with hopes he would sign with the company and headline their April 22nd Retribution pay-per-view against Alberto El Patron. But that spot was recently given to the new Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, Austin Aries. 
Mysterio currently has commitments worldwide but does not have any contract in place with anyone at this time. Of Lucha Underground, a few months back it was reported right here at the Day 5 that there would be available funding to tape a fourth season, but there may be some changes to the product as a result of those limited funds. A few of those changes could be major ones according to the Wrestling Observer, as Lucha Underground officials may have to look for a new location to film their show as it may become too expensive to film inside the temple in Boyle Heights, California. Currently, officials for the company have looked at other locations to film the upcoming Season 4. Another major hurdle for the company as Season 4 begins to film is one of the key characters on the program, and that is Dario Cueto. Cueto played the storyline filthy rich promoter of the Temple Fights for Lucha Underground. Dario's character was written off the end of Season 3, and there's a good chance he may not be able to return, as Lucha Underground may not be able to afford him as well. It's possible he gets written back into the storylines, but the main reason why his character was written off TV last year was because his future with the organization was up in the air and still is at this time. Big news this week for Jeremy Borash, as he's officially signed a contract with WWE. Borash had been working behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera for Impact Wrestling since its since its inception in 2002 when they were known as TNA. Allegedly, this hire came from Triple H, who many speculate is building his own team for when the time comes that he takes over the main roster from father-in-law and chairman Vince McMahon. Many thought Borash would be a TNA lifer. However, things have changed. Borash was present in Philadelphia last weekend for all WWE-related events. However, he was telling people he was just visiting. As of right now, his role will be with NXT. He's planning to relocate to Orlando and perform similar duties with the developmental brand that he also took part in with Impact Wrestling. As of right now, it's unclear if he will have an on-screen role with the brand. Borash had been on the company's radar for quite some time as backstage officials who knew Jeremy, as well as talent such as the Hardys, pitched for WWE to hire Borash since last year. It's rumored that Jeremy Borash started his duties with NXT this past week at their television tapings center stage in Atlanta. Barstool Sports, of all things, broke the news this week that WWE will be bringing WrestleMania 35 back to MetLife Stadium in New Jersey in 2019. WWE has yet to confirm this news. However, according to multiple sources through Barstool, it's pretty much a done deal. The last time WrestleMania emanated from MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, was back in 2013, where we all froze our asses off to witness twice (laughs) in a lifetime. The story of John Cena's road to redemption as he defeated The Rock for the WWE Championship. Other WrestleMania weekend events that year that were held in the surrounding New York, New Jersey area were events such as the Hall of Fame ceremony taking place at New York City's Madison Square Garden, WWE Fan Access, which was held in the concourse of the IZOD Center, as well as parts of the arena floor, which is regarded as the worst fan access setup the company held. And we can't forget about the Monday Night Raw after Mania, which also emanated from the IZOD Center which is most famous for the crowd-pleasing Dolph Ziggler Money in the Bank cash-in, as well as 13,000 idiots humming Fandango's theme music. I, for one, who was in attendance that evening, did not partake in Fandangoing, that's for sure. I think I can speak for Ken also, as he was in disgust with fans for their overactive fandom that night. But it won us a Slammy Award that we still haven't received in the mail yet. WrestleMania 35 is allegedly being marketed and billed from New York, and with the IZOD Center no longer running, the, no longer running, excuse me, the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, and Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, seem like possible candidates to host some of the other WrestleMania weekend events, such as NXT Takeover, 
the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, as well as Raw and SmackDown. As of right now, this is only a rumor, as once again, like I said at the top of this story, WWE has yet to confirm this piece of news. And in my final story this week, a story for all you wrestling history buffs. Like myself, this news should be a treat. As WWENetworkNews.com reports, beginning this Monday, the network will add the popular Coliseum Home Video exclusives to their vault section of the streaming service. Coliseum Home Video was the precursor to WWE Home Video back in the day. Some of the more popular titles, such as bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, the Super Tape Collections, as well as WrestleFest, are just a few of the titles that helped make Coliseum Home Video a popular source for your World Wrestling Federation home video needs. And now they will become available in the most complete form possible on the WWE Network. Titles dating back to 1985 all the way up until 1993 will be made available this Monday, which will also include some rarely seen international tours of the United Kingdom from the early 90s. And an interesting note, the subsidiary of Coliseum Home Video, known as H&H Video, owned by Arthur Morowitz and Howard Farber, produced the majority of the, por- of, of the of pornographic films that was out there in the business at that time. Some say they pioneered the porn industry by transferring content from film to video. The movie Boogie Nights with Mark Wahlberg and Burt Reynolds is loosely based on Morowitz and Farber. So for all you folks in the internet wrestling community who've been known to crank out a few knuckle children in your spare time, kindly thank these gentlemen at your earliest convenience. There you have it. Thank you all for tuning in to a Super Bowl weekend edition of the Day 550-50 News Report. Check back here next week for more informative dirt and gossip that only I can deliver in my own very special way. More pro wrestling talk is on the way as we step foot onto the gridiron in this second hour and delve into the football pro wrestling connection. And with that being said, let's send it back to the man whose name is on the top of that marquee. Ken, take it away. And thank you very much. Good stuff, as always. <laughs> knuckle children. <laughs> that was a good one. That's a flat knuckle. <laughs> so anyway, let's um, let's get into the football wrestling thing. And, and you know, like last week, uh, you know, we we had a full plate on last week's show. Thanks, Enzo. And <laughs> I, I did want to get into the XFL and the XFL coming back. And interesting that like. You know, it, it kind of seems appropriate. So maybe I should be legitimately thinking Enzo. But, you know, having this discussion, Super Bowl weekend, the XFL is coming back. And I, I for one, am kind of excited, but I'm curious, um, number one, what do you guys think? And number two, like, you know, has Vinnie Mac learned from his mistakes? Um, it seems like on some levels he has. Uh, you know, the fact I, I do think keeping wrestling and football separate is important. However, you know, it became a ratings thing when the XFL first came into play and at a desperation tried to connect the WWE and the XFL to put eyeballs on the product. Um, the thing when I, I was a fan, I watched the XFL and, and to me, there are a few things that I think they did wrong. Uh, the initial run. Uh, number one is taking on the NFL and Vince wasn't as um, wasn't as pointed as he was when in the original run of the XFL. It was basically like you know we're taking on the NFL, the no fun league. Um, he was much more subdued this time around, and it was more um, we want to give football back to the fans. 
However, that's still kind of maybe it's a little more subtle, but it's still to me a little bit of a dig at the NFL. And one of the things that to me the XFL needed in its first incarnation was for mainstream media to cover it. You needed when WFAN would go to their 2020 sports, you needed that guy to be saying, uh, and in the XFL, you know, the, the, the Las Vegas Outlaws beat the New York, New Jersey hitmen 27-20 and give you a stat. Like, you needed that. And to me, again, theorizing and just spitballing here, once you start to bash the NFL, and once the NFL is, is not happy with it, the NFL is God to all media entities, to everything to do with sports. And no one is going to take the chance at losing the NFL. So a radio station is not going to cover the XFL if they think, ooh, the NFL might pull some of their guys from doing interviews with us. They might, you know, pull some stuff. So to me it was like that was mistake number one, that you take on the juggernaut that is the NFL um, and you don't get mainstream media to cover you. It's going to be tough to stay afloat. The football wasn't very good. However, it got better as the season went on. And, again, I was a fan. I watched it. To me, it was like football ended, and now I have more football. That's a good thing. There's not a lot of sports in, in that time period after the NFL ends, so we have the XFL. Um, I, so I thought there was an, a niche for it, but I thought Vince did, did a poor job at, at how he would find that niche. Um, I think he's in a good place now with the fact that ESPN covers WrestleMania. They covered Ronda Rousey showing up. Um, They had a reporter there at the Rumble to interview Rousey after uh, she had her debut. So, you know, mainstream media is covering wrestling more. So they should be able to get a little more mainstream media attention. Um, The football needs to be decent. Um, But on the flip side, I think that a lot of football fans right now are disgusted with, honestly disgusted, but they're annoyed with the NFL. Um, I don't think anybody knows what the hell a damn catch is these days. Um, You know, I I don't think any of us here, the three of us here, like nobody wants to see anybody get hurt, Um, but it's football and you're, you have a violent game that you're trying to legislate against the violence. You know, it's almost like, you know, if you, if you took boxing and said, well, we're not going to punch anymore. Like what? You know, it's, it's, you know, and, and for defensive players, you know, you know, where do you hit a guy? If you go low, it's dirty. You go too high, it's dirty. Um, and I, I think we, we, we'll get into an LT conversation a little later because a main eventer and another connection with, with wrestling. But I, th- today I was actually watching some LT highlights, and he had a very unique way of tackling it. He would, like, he would go up high and, and like, wrap around your shoulders and, and drag you to the ground. And he was strong enough that you couldn't shake him off. Um, but as I was watching the highlights, I'm like, wow, LT would be flagged for, for high hits, like every play, like he LT as great as, and watching as like, he was, he was the quickest guy on the field, uh, including the running backs and the wide receivers. Um, it was amazing how he got off the line. It was amazing how he tackled and I'm watching and thinking, wow, if LT existed now, I wonder if he would be as great because he'd get flagged at every given turn. And that giant defense would probably not be allowed to be that defense. And I think a lot of football fans right now are kind of disgusted with that, are kind of tired of the every single game is in the hands of the refs. 
I, I would say just about every single Monday morning in, in recent years that there's at least one game that during water cooler conversation, you're talking about uh, when the refs made this call. And, and, and I, to me, that's where fans are kind of gravitating away from football. Um, there obviously also is, is the politics, the kneeling of the national anthem. Um, I, I think that's part of it. I don't think it's as big a deal. I think a lot for a lot of fans, the kneeling was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. To me, it was like fans were gravitating away from it, and then this didn't help. Um, so I think that the, the marketplace is, is, is right for the right lead to kind of find its niche. Um, whether they do or not remains to be seen, but I'm excited. I'm excited for a different football league. I'm excited for uh, an alternate to the NFL. Um, there are a lot of innovations the, the first time around that the XFL brought to, to fruition that is still used in football today in the NFL. So um, I'm excited, but it, it's all about like, are they able to find that marketplace? Because, you know, Dave, I mean, and I know we both, we, we saw the uh, 30 for 30. Um, if the XFL goes one season and fails again, it's an absolute embarrassment for Vince McMahon. Like he, if he's going to enter this, this ring again, he's got to at least have a modicum of success. If it's an absolute failure again, that's a pretty big embarrassment. Well, I think to, to your point, I think he's going to need a lot more time this time around to, to prepare for launching the league. I mean, he's given himself two years from what he said in that press release a couple of weeks ago. But if you remember, and it was stated on that 30 for 30, the XFL, he only had, you know, just roughly a year to form a league and get players and, you know, get television contracts in, in order. And to do that from the ground up in such a short period of time, you're, you're bound for some error of some, some error of some kind. And I think what didn't help him too is that he's Vince McMahon. He's the PT Barnum of pro wrestling. And he advertised this football league on his wrestling program and mainstream media and the sports media and the sports world didn't take him seriously. And I think the association with wrestling hurt him. Now, I think this time around, he's obviously taking the mistakes that he made from the first run, and he's putting that into, you know, he's factoring that into this launch now because there isn't going to be any, from what he has said, there is not going to be any kind of crossover with pro wrestling. He's not going to micromanage the, the, the football games and the league. He's going to hire professionals that have experience doing this to run his football league. He's basically just funding it and signing the checks. I'm sure he's going to have some involvement in it, but it's not going to be as intense as it was the first time around. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. If this flops after one more, you know, just one season, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a big embarrassment. But what Vince has working for him in this instance is, like you said, there are people that are moving away from the NFL because of – the way that the game has been played and the controversial politics that are involved in it off the field. I think to the NFL's credit, I think the reason why a lot of these games, and I'm not saying it's the right thing. Okay. But it's, but I understand. I think a lot of the reason why these games are being, you know, determined by the officials more so than the players itself is because I think the league is walking on eggshells of the safety of the players because of the concussions and the, the concussion epidemic and the, the research from CTE and everything else that's involved in that and that big class action lawsuit that the NFL went through, I think the league walks on eggshells because 
they're worried about the safety of their players at the same time they're trying to make a buck. Okay, they're caught in like a tough position. I think that factor right there is going to work in Vince's favor as he launches the league because Vince is going to do things that the that the NFL is not doing when it comes to you know rules and plays and the structure of that league. But I'm sure he's also going to take a page out of the NFL's book too as well because they're the longest one of the longest running professional sports leagues and businesses on the planet, and he's going to incorporate that into how he runs the XFL. So I think there's I, I think with the time frame and the amount of time he has to launch this league, I think he's in a better, he's in a better position now launching this version of the XFL than he was 17 years ago when he announced the XFL. And I think there's a lot more that he can, you know, I hate to say, but I think there's a lot more wrong with the NFL that he can fix and show like, well, we're doing things this way. And I agree with you. I think, you know, it's a catch 22 with, you know, football players and, and their safety right now. Um, but the, the problem that I see in football in the NFL, there's no flow to the games anymore. And part of it is, you know, when you have a, a, a running back, you know, carrying the ball running downfield and, you know, he breaks it. So he's open field DB comes in to tackle him and the running back like crouches down as he's about to get hit. And the DB was looking to hit him waist high, but then he hits him in the head because the, the running back crouched down before he gets hit. And then you're flagged for, you know, helmet to helmet. Like, stuff like that, to me, isn't fair to the defensive player. And But, like, to your point, they're looking at maintaining safety. So, it should be interesting to see how Vince tweaks certain things with, with his product. Um, you know, one thing also that I, that I think is hurting the NFL is instant replays. And I'm not saying you don't have instant replays, but Jesus Christ, could you just say, like, three minutes under the hood. And at that point, you know, if you don't see anything conclusive play stands, if you see, I mean, and reverse it. What is this? What are you watching? And half the time, half the time you're playing football, you're sitting at home saying like, Oh yeah, I don't know. That's touchdown. And then why are they still under the hood? What, what are they going to get? It's like, what are they looking at? And, and you're just like, yep. And, and then like the, the poor commentators, like, you know, they show the replay over and over again, which just makes the rest seem dumber because you keep seeing, like, yep, that's clearly a touchdown. Clearly a touchdown. What are they looking at? Yep, no, that's a touchdown. Let's look at it from this angle. You know, it's still a touchdown. NBC it. Let's see the slow-mo close. Yep, still a touchdown. <laughs> and they're still under the hood. So things like that that I, I don't get, like, why the NFL and maybe the XFL will do it, you know, have a, a three-minute limit. And if you don't see anything, play on the field stands, period. Keep the game flowing. I, and, and I want your take on Rock, but, I, you know, give a story. A couple of years back, I went to a football game, a preseason game with my father. And my dad's not a big football fan. He basically, he watched the Super Bowl and that's it. And, but he got tickets to a preseason jet game. He took me along and we went and, you know, he doesn't watch the game. So he doesn't get, you know, like we're talking about the, the time of the game, the flow, the penalties, the refs. So he doesn't really know all that stuff with football. And, today's game of football. And so we're watching the game and, and the Jets scored a touchdown and, you know, we all cheered and my dad looked at me and said, whoa, stop. Let's make sure there's not a flag because there's a flag on every other play. <laughs> and it was so surprising that my dad said that with no frame of reference of the direction that the game was going, he, in that one game, n- noticed that there's no flow, that there's a flag on like, on every play. And that's something that 
when Vince is looking at if, if Vince could get the XFL to his games being about two hours and keeping a flow to the game, you're going to get a lot of fans are going to gravitate to that type of game. We don't want to spend fans do not want to spend three and a half hours watching a penalty filled football game. And it's, and to me, again, the politics, the kneeling, all that other stuff has affected it. But if the product on the field was kicking ass, if it was just, it was football was so great to watch as it was, I, I think the politics would be at sucks, but football's so great. It, it's the problem is it hasn't been great. The games don't have any flow anymore. And it becomes this arduous task of, oh, my God, would you just, you know, can we get through, like, three plays without someone throwing a flag? And like the past couple of years for me, I, and politics has nothing to do with it for, for me, I've watched less football the past couple of years than I've, I've watched in, in maybe my whole life because I just – I can't get into these games and I can't, you know, dedicate an entire Sunday to watching these long, arduous games. So – it should be intriguing to see the direction that Vince takes the XFL, but I, I think it's an interesting time. Two years away, Rock, what did you think when you heard the XFL was coming back? Well, uh, the fact of the matter is Vinnie Mac is a billionaire for a reason. Uh, the guy is a shrewd businessman. And uh, absolutely, the, as far as the causes, the causes are debatable, but it's obvious that right now the NFL is severely on the ropes with ratings and viewership and whatnot. You, you, you can make it about the gameplay. You can make it about the politics. You can make it about the antics of the players. You know, take your pick as far as the reason. But obviously, the NFL is on the ropes. And it seems that Vince has learned from prior mistakes. Uh, you know, we, we've had the conversation as far as, you know, t- taking the wrestling analogy as far as the brand split is concerned. And you know, they're doing it again. Are they going to do it right? Are they going to fix the mistakes? And by and large, I would say, as far as that's concerned, I think they've done a good job with the brand split. I think they've kept it interesting. Uh, and now here you have Vince, you know, going out a little bit out of his comfort zone again, going with the, the XFL. You know, what are you going to do better that the NFL hasn't done? And th- there's a lot. And I find it interesting when you consider – uh, Vince has had to be careful in, in recent time with his, with his performers as far as, you know, concussion protocols and all that jazz, and which is just another thing that the NFL has to deal with. But it leads me into a, a thought that I a thought from a conversation I've had recently as far as that, uh, that subject. It may have been with you, Ken. I, I don't believe it was. But a recent conversation I have, you know, why do you have so much concussion protocols in the NFL and whatnot? especially when you compare uh, American football to rugby. And, you, you know, you have these guys with, uh, you know, armored up with pads and whatnot, devil-may-care attitude. I'm just going to lower my head and charge. Hey, I have a nice thick helmet on. You know, rugby, and I, you know, full disclosure, I have not done the research as far as injuries, as far as whatnot, but I don't think you have that many concussions in rugby because you don't have too many guys, too many guys who want to run full tilt head-to-head. Uh, so, you know, Vince obviously has some learning to do as far as what is the NFL doing wrong that he can do right, that he can make gameplay, as you said, can gameplay flow better, make it so much that you're not getting that flag on every other damn play, that you can let a couple of athletes who want to throw a football play football. You know, you know, 
define a catch, define a hit, for Christ's sake, just because, you know, a guy hit him as, you know, sometimes it it borders on the ridiculous, and you you see the refs just, I I think sometimes you see the the refs getting power, you know, power hungry. It's like it's almost turned into the refs game. It's not the players' game anymore. It's a refs game. This is my field now. You know, <laughs> you know, it's become crazy, and I think there's definitely a lot of lessons that Vince has to learn. And you know, he's taken that two-year time uh, to to do the research, cross all the T's, dot all the I's. I'm I'm kind of psyched to see what the XFL can be. It's interesting because when it comes to football, and you, and you bring up a good point, you know. When it comes to concussions and, and sometimes, you know, I just think with Goodell, it's it's all like a, a smokescreen. It's all he doesn't give a shit about player safety. He just wants to be perceived as someone who cares about player safety. But when you bring up equipment, like that's that's an interesting point to look at, you know, for the XFL and the NFL. When the equipment has gotten so good and, and so protective that players have no uh, reserve to running at full speed and launching themselves at someone, um, which causes a lot of damage. You know, I used to, you know, going a few years back, but I had a group of friends. We would get together every Sunday and play tackle football. No pads. No. Do you think any of us ever led with our head? <laughs> no. And, and, you know, uh, I mean, maybe we did, but you know, not a, not a ton of injuries, not a, not a lot of concussions, not a lot of, you know, I don't remember a long concussion with us playing. Um, I, you know, every so often you get a good hit, but you, it, your body got jostled because you got hit in the midsection because you're not leading with your head if you don't have any protection on your head. And, and to your point with, with rugby players, if, if you're not protected, you know, you're going to tackle fundamentally the correct way and lead with your shoulder. Um for us, there was a lot of just grabbing shirts and dragging people down. But I'm not going to say we're that fundamentally sound. But, um, you know, it would be interesting to see if, if, you know, when it comes to concussions, uh, you know, a lot of people love to say, well, let's make the helmets better. Let's make the equipment better. And that might, be not, might not be the case. It would be intriguing to see where Vince McMahon goes with this with the XFL. Do you move backwards? Like, go back to the leather helmets with, like, with no face mask and see who's going to be leading with their head. You know, that would be, you know, it's something to, to look at as far as, you know, keeping the flow of the game there, um, but still trying to maintain player safety. Because to, to me, that's been the problem. I also would love to see, now let's face it, when you go out to football, and that's part of it. The game is, for me, has become less enjoyable. And let's face it, you go out to watch football, you're going to have a couple brews with your friends, watch the game. And it got to the point where, that having the bruise and having to get up for work on Sunday um, wasn't worth it to me anymore because I wasn't enjoying the games. And so that's part of the reason. I mean, I'm a 49er fan, so I have to go out to watch the games. I, I don't have the, the NFL package. Um, and that's part of the reason why I stopped watching because it's like the games aren't enjoyable anymore and I'm going out and spending money and then I feel like shit on Monday morning. You know, if, if the XFL gives us a good, crisp game, on like a Saturday where I can go to the bar, watch an XFL game. And it's a good two hour, crispy, crisply played good football game. And I can go out on a Saturday where I don't have to get up for work the next day. Sign me up right now. Like that, that'll get me on board to watch XFL games. So. Not entertained. Exactly. 
So, I mean, you know, when you look at football, I mean, it, it's pretty interesting because over the history of wrestling, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, you get out of football, you fail at football, you're looking for something else. A lot of football players wind up transitioning into the, the wrestling ring. There's always been this connection. It was this connection for years, and all of a sudden Vince's like, I'm going to make a football league. Um, but very interesting. And, Dave, I want you to elaborate a little bit about this because this, this happened in your neck of the woods. Um Lawrence Taylor, uh, you know, it's funny, in sports, so you can argue, like, I'm still falling on the Joe Montana side. I think the greatest quarterback of all time debate can, can still be debated. I feel that. I think that um, wide receiver, it's Jerry Rice. Uh, and I don't think that's a debate. Uh, you know, other sports, you, you might have debates, whatever. I, I think when it comes to Lawrence Taylor, I don't think you can debate it. I, he's the greatest linebacker of all time. I, I I think it's silly to try and argue that. Um, not the best uh, personal life. Remember, kids, don't smoke crack. Um, in fact, like, I mean, his last brush with the law happened. I had a friend that was the DA on, on his case here when he had the underage prostitute. So um, oh. right here in good old Rockland County. So, oh, you know, no. I, <laughs> But one thing outside of football that he can, outside of the prostitutes and the crack and everything else he did outside of football, he can hang his hat on main eventing a WrestleMania. And it's intriguing to look at a guy like LT, the stature of the type of football player that that he was, uh, comes into the wrestling world, um, winds up not continuing. It would have been intriguing if he decided to to go for a wrestling career. but, Dave, it, it's, when you look at WrestleMania and the, the, the showcase of the Immortals, you know, LT, there are a lot of wrestlers that can't hang their hat on this. LT can hang his hat on main eventing at WrestleMania. Yes, he can. Uh, in all places, Hartford, Connecticut, which will never see another WrestleMania ever again. <laughs> um, that's the truth. I mean, they, I mean, Hartford hates Hartford, okay, let alone you know, WWE, <laughs> but, but – I hate Hartford. I live 10 minutes away from Hartford, and I hate going through it. But anyhow, yeah, that's something that Lawrence Taylor can say, you know, that, that he's done, his main event at a WrestleMania. Um, what, what I loved about that, okay, I, I thought it was a win-win for everyone. I liked it on a number of fronts, personally and as a wrestling fan. Number one, big Giants fan. Can't argue Lawrence Taylor, the greatest linebacker in the history of the game. He reinvented playing from the linebacker position. And what he also did, too, Okay, in my opinion, he's one of the pioneers from football that could take his off the field antics and take that larger than life personality and incorporate it into the game. There weren't that many guys that could do that. He took a page out of pro wrestling and his own personality and he built a brand with it. Before Dennis Rodman was wearing wedding dresses and banging Madonna, before Richard Sherman was saying outlandish things at, at, at uh, Super Bowl press conferences before, you know, anybody in today's sports world was building their brand at the expense of their sport, that their, their particular sport they're playing. Lawrence Taylor was doing it for fun, okay? Lawrence Taylor took his off-the-field antics and brought him onto the field, and I think that's what attracted WWF and Vince McMahon at the time for wanting to work with him and having him involved in that WrestleMania. Um, I'll never forget when – uh, when it happened, I you know, my father's a big Giants fan. We watched football. You know, my father introduced me to football and Lawrence Taylor. And my father 
had said, you know, first thing he said, he goes, well, uh, he goes, he goes, retirement must not be good to LT because he definitely needs the money if he's going to go wrestle. And, uh, you know, so that was like a slap in the face, I guess. Not to me, but, you know, just in general. And, uh, you know, he said, he goes, I'm kind of, he goes, he goes, it's LT, I love him. He goes, I'll see how it goes. And my father was never the biggest wrestling fan. He really wasn't. He could, he could argue, the only match that he knows that he's ever watched in full was Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat from WrestleMania three, and he, and he argues that that is the greatest wrestling match of all time. And that's coming from someone who's not a wrestling fan. So, you know, go figure. Anyhow, uh, I remember when they did the press conference at the Harley Davidson Cafe in New York City, and it was like on a school day. And I went to school, but I said to my father, you got to tape this for me. I have to see it because it was going to be on ESPN, and I think the MSG Network aired it, and some of the other sports channels. And I came home, and my father, who was always very – I wouldn't say he was down on me watching wrestling, but he just thought it was some silly phase of mine. Um, He said, he goes – he goes, David, you got to watch this press conference. He goes, I think Lawrence Taylor is going to make this thing interesting at WrestleMania. And I, I, so I popped the tape in, and I put it on, and LT's out there cutting a promo, probably better than half the guys on the roster, getting in Bam Bam's face. And to me, I was just like, this is tailor-made for him. He definitely could fit into this world of wrestling. And so I was very excited. But I also heard the critics at the same time, too, saying, is he going to be able to wrestle? He's a retired professional football player whose body had taken a beating from his years on the field and can he do it can he make it look you know credible or acceptable and to me I didn't expect Lawrence Taylor to be doing drop kicks off the top rope or arm drag takedowns or you know you know uh you know hurricane ranas or anything like that I expected LT to go in there and basically fight and that's exactly what he did he presented a fight and it looked acceptable, it looked credible, and to me, he didn't embarrass himself, he didn't embarrass the football world, and as a matter of fact, at a time when wrestling was very unpopular, in 1995, it was very unpopular, and the business was in a downward spiral at that time, in general, he kind of gave a boost to not only the WWF, but just wrestling in general, by being involved in that WrestleMania, and I don't think that gets enough credit because of his recent off, you know, you know, off the field antics with the underage hooker and smoking crack and all the other stuff. But to me, I thought it was probably the best use of a professional sports athlete in pro wrestling. He didn't have to reinvent the wheel. He just went out there and he fought and he fought like a dog and it just it came across real well. And that's why I loved it. People shit all over WrestleMania 11 and the fact that that main evented WrestleMania. But to me, it was it, it was. It exceeded my expectations. Yeah, and, and you know, and kudos also with that matchup to, to Bam Bam Bigelow, who was able to to make that match work. I mean, when you look at you know that WrestleMania and and everything tied around and bringing LT into the fold, I mean, you got Bam Bam Bigelow, who essentially was really never a main eventer in the WWF, and he is given the task of carrying this main event at WrestleMania with a non wrestler. And I agree with you. I think LT. Did, did an exceptional job and, and it was a very entertaining matchup and it was fun. And it was, it was a fight. Um, your thoughts, Rocky on LT main eventing WrestleMania. Well, uh, you know, to Dave's point as a Giants fan, of course, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be all for LT. And I, me, myself, I was a Bam Bam Bigelow fan. And I, I thought the whole match, I thought everything was going to be, it was larger than life. LT was a larger than life character. And like Dave said, you could almost say the man was tailor-made for wrestling. I would have loved to have seen him 
actually carry on a wrestling career. And, and you know, for people out there who, who have the argument, oh, well, he's a, re- he's a retired football player. How can he possibly, you know, some of the greatest names in wrestling have come off the gridiron. You know, you're talking about guys like, you know, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. You're talking about guys like uh, Big Cat Ernie Ladd. You're talking, hell, this close to the Royal Rumble, you got, you know, Ho, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, first winner of the Royal Rumble, all coming off the gridiron and making names for themselves in, in wrestling. And I thought it was a great thing. And as Dave alluded, I thought it gave a shot in the arm to wrestling when it really needed it. And, you know, I, I would have loved to see LT continue on in the wrestling world. You know, what's intriguing about, about – um... LT, I love the fact that you guys keep saying Taylor Made. Like that would have been his wrestling name, Lawrence oh, Taylor Made. Oh, yeah. um, but I, I, you know, it's interesting that you know a lot of the guys that transitioned from football uh, into wrestling didn't have uh, the greatest successes on on the gridiron. There weren't a lot of greats. Like LT was one of the few that was an all time great that transitioned uh, into the wrestling world. Um, you know, it's interesting when you watch uh, some of the guys and you look back at the. Uh, the infamous battle Royal with all the, the football players and uh, William, the refrigerator Perry. Um, uh, but it's interesting, you know, you look into Bill Goldberg, uh, the rock, you know, guys that were able to transition uh, to very successful wrestling careers. Um, it's intriguing, you know, and I'm curious, you know, you guys, what do you think? Like, you know, this is purely speculating and uh, spitballing, you know, why? Like, what is that connection? Is it, you know, you know, you have these football players and, and, and you know, they get close to retirement and it seems like there's, you know, outside of guys that, that go into broadcasting football games and, and getting into the uh, booth or doing a pregame show, that it seems like if, if, you, if you're looking to have another walk of life out of your football career, it seems like pro wrestling is one of those things that uh, a lot of guys have taken that path. And is it the, the, the hitting? Is it the physicality? Is it the fact that because to your point, when you were talking about Ronda Rousey before Rock, um, that, you know, you, you now you're going from really hitting people to learning how to not really hit people, unless you're Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman, <laughs> in which case, just punch them in the side of the head. Um, but, you know, it's interesting that, so you go from a, a sport where you're, you're tackling and hitting people for real, and then you, you come to the wrestling world, and now it's about character, it's about working a match. Um, you know, I mean, I, again, this is just purely opinion. I'm curious, like, what you both of you think. Like, you know, what do you think the connection is? Is it the physicality? Is it, you know, that connection to you get addicted to, to that, that hitting, um, so that impact against the mat, that, that just the physicality in wrestling is uh, an, an easy transition from, from the gridiron to the, the wrestling ring? Is, is it something else? Like, what exactly – uh, do you guys think I'm, I'm like delving into like psychology now? Like, let's all like let's all put our amateur psychologist hats on and, and see like what what is the connection between football and wrestling? Dave, what do you think? I think it's a mixture of the uh, the adulation from the audience and being in the spotlight. Um, you know, for guys who had great success in football or you know moderate success. Um, you're looked at when you put that the, the, the helmet and the pads on as, as a hero to, to, to many people, um, especially, you know, the, the team that you play for and the home team fans. Um, I think it's, you know, that, that adulation, the adulation, the, the attention. And I also think it's the physicality, that controlled chaos. You know, I can go, you know, I can go in there and I can rough somebody up without pads on, 
and without a referee telling me I hit a guy too hard. I mean, you know, it, I, I think it's a combination of, of, of those two things, the, the controlled contact that these guys have in wrestling that they can't have in football. You know, some of these players that – actually, I should say the majority of guys that have gotten into the wrestling business, like a Rock, like a Goldberg, um, like a Steve McMichael, Steve Mongo McMichael, those guys left the sport because of injuries. And those injuries were something that were obviously beyond their control. And so I feel like compensating is compensating for, for, for leaving football – results in joining pro wrestling and becoming a pro wrestler. You get that controlled physicality, the controlled chaos, you know, aside from the entertainment aspect, like they're not going to get, you know, Steve McMichael's not going to get fined for, for doing a touchdown dance in the end zone and celebrating with his guys in the pro wrestling ring. Like you do nowadays, where if you, if your touchdown dance is a little too animated, you get a, you, you get a penalty. You know what I mean? So I think there's a mixture of things that, you can do in pro wrestling that you can't do in football that attracts football players to joining the profession of, of, of wrestling. I think you can definitely draw a lot of parallels between the sports. Like, in, in essence, as a wrestler, you're an athlete. And you're an athlete who gets used to taking lumps, you know, every once in a while. Whereas, you know, as a football player, yeah, you take, you're, you're an athlete, you take lumps and, not only that, but as a football player, you have to worry about every other player on the other team. Now you have to worry about one uh, Aside from the, your, uh, you know, once in a while battle royal, now you have to worry about one guy. It's like, oh, just one guy? Okay, cool. That's it. Easy day. You know, and as, along with that, you also have the character as- aspect of it. And I think, you know, on the football side, you can almost see it when you, when you follow a player from his rookie year to give him, you know, 10 years in the sport where you can see what if a reporter holds a microphone to his face when he's first starting his rookie year and he kind of doesn't know what to say. And he's like, it's almost as if the media almost gives him a character to portray because, you know, the the highlight reel is going to speak for itself. And in telling their story, your sportscaster is going to kind of build the guy as just a, is this a hard hitter? Is this a cocky guy? Is this a fast guy? And eventually you're going to see that kind of integrate into that guy. If that, you know, if that guy consistently gets in front of the microphone, he's going to build a character. So it's almost as if, you know, for those certain players that have that, uh, have that mind for it, it's almost as if pro wrestling is built for, for someone coming off the gridiron. You have the physicality, you have the character building and you know, easy day. I only have to worry about this one guy. Awesome. And do this in front of a crowd? Hell, I did it all the time in front of crowds. Awesome. Seems to me that it would be an easy transition. And what's intriguing is that it just, you don't see it in a lot of sports. There's definitely a a, a wrestling football connection that, um, you know, a lot of wrestlers play football at some point in their lives. And you have football players that, made it in football and when they retire they want to get involved in pro wrestling so it's intriguing because you don't see you don't hear about a lot of hockey players you know getting done with their nhl career and saying you know like i got to hit people in hockey i miss hitting people so let me become a pro wrestler you don't see that for whatever reason that's why i'm like kind of it's interesting like debating and like speculating because it seems like gimmick for me 
<laughs> so I mean, it's it, it's intriguing, and it's interesting. You know, when I watch football, I, you know, and I, I wonder if you guys have anybody. But when you when you watch football and you see certain guys, and like you said, Dave, some guys with uh, dances, and you can get flagged, and you do uh, wrestling, and if you have that that eccentric uh, flamboyant side to you, that 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 side to you that just wants to celebrate and. Uh, has a bit of a character on the gridiron. Um, it seems like a logical transition. The physicality, you're a professional athlete, and you have that entertainment value. Um, that that transition to wrestling seems uh, like a no-brainer. Um, and w- when I think about that, the guy that I look at that I really could have seen being a pro wrestler that and he didn't, it didn't happen, um, is Terrell Owens. And I, I, I would have loved to have seen what he could have done in the wrestling world. Um, man, I mean, I know it's unsportsmanlike, but piss off at the Cowboys. I mean, when, when he scored a touchdown and ran out of the end zone to the star at midfield and spiked the ball in the star at midfield, oh, my God, like, does this guy not have heel written all over him? A physical spec- specimen chiseled out of granite. And the interesting thing about Terrell Owens, I don't know if you guys know the story with the 49ers, um, but when when Jerry Rice was nearing the end of his career, the heir apparent uh, in the 49er organization was J.J. Stokes. J.J. Stokes was the guy that they looked to, that was going to be the guy to take over for Jerry. And what happened when Terrell Owens was just kind of one of their receivers. He was, you know, number two, a good receiver, but uh, wasn't a lot of buzz surrounding him with the 49ers. And what Terrell Owens did was he shadowed Jerry Rice. And if you know anything about Jerry Rice and his workouts, they were legendary. And he just shadowed him and kept up with Jerry. And he was like, Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver of all time. I'm going to do exactly what he's doing. Um, so he had the work ethic and built himself into one of the best receivers in the game, uh, possibly a Hall of Famer. Um I could have seen him getting into the wrestling world, and if he really decided he wanted to do it, dedicate it, put the work in, and become a, a legit professional wrestler. So when I look at, at football players that didn't do it, he's a guy. With with we got about four minutes left. This has been a fun show. Dave, do you have any football players that you look at and look back on and think, um, you know, wow, that, that guy could have been a wrestler and uh, just didn't happen, but you could have seen it happening? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought up that question because there's one guy who I feel, and I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like the, the, the industry of professional wrestling influenced him to build a brand and become larger than the sport itself, and now I'm talking about Joe Namath. I think Joe Namath could have been like the Ric Flair. He could have been like another version of Ric Flair or like even like a Nick Bockwinkle. He just had such charisma, and you know, he, he, he kind of to me, I feel like he modeled himself off the field like a Ric Flair, like a toned-down version of Ric Flair. And I feel like he could have taken that charisma. He's very well-spoken, and he could have brought that to wrestling. I, I just feel like he would, have, he would have definitely succeeded very well. As long as he doesn't get smashed and wants to make out with Mean Gene Oakland when he's cutting a promo, <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think Joe Namath could have been a very successful pro wrestler. And it's, it's, it, that's a really good one because and he would have been ahead of his time because he would have been coming down in the ring in the I mean, 60s or so 70s 
wearing that fur coat, being a <laughs> styling, profiling Joey. Oh, that'd be, that's, that's a really good one. Rock, you got anybody that jumps to mind? You know, aside from wishing LT carried on the career, because like she said, Taylor made uh, Taylor made Lawrence Taylor. That that just writes itself. Uh, I don't know. The, you know, football has its fair share of characters. You know, uh, hell, Jeremy Shockey. Uh, that's a good one. Jeremy, you know, Jeremy Shockey is, is hot in the days. Hell, even, you know, and you wouldn't think of it at first, but just to, just to see that freaking goofy smile and almost go out and live and say, Michael Strahan. <laughs> just to see him. No. Too smile. no more Michael Strahan. I can't turn on any television without seeing him somewhere. Oh, my God. Enough, Michael Strahan. You know, but, you know, like I said, Football lends itself to being characters, and characters lend themselves to being professional wrestlers. Yeah, I think Shockey's a good one. I, I totally could see Shockey being a, a pro wrestler. Um, the thing with Shockey, I, I don't think he'd be a good locker room guy. So that would be that would be, be the problem with Shockey. But uh, so. yeah, Jerry, what about Bart Scott? Remember Bart Scott, oh, the Jets? Uh, I remember he cut the, he cut a promo after a Jet game, and it was uh, arguably the the best promo of the wrestling year, and he wasn't even in wrestling. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, interesting stuff. You know, you wonder who's going to be the next guy. Who's a, you know, let's, let's book next year's WrestleMania, Tom Brady versus Carson Wentz. <laughs> let's have that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, man. There's always been, like, that connection between football and um, pro wrestling. And uh, quickly before we go, we got about a minute left. Um, it's been a great show. Thank you guys for, for coming on board. Uh, Dave, who are you picking in the Super Bowl? Eagles. Eagles with the win. How about you, Rock? Are you picking? (laughs) It is very difficult for me to pick any team that is going into the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback against the New England Patriots. And I respect what the Eagles have been able to do this year. I can't pick the Eagles, so I am picking the Patriots as well. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Hope you enjoyed our run all over the place. A little football, a little rumble, a little wrestling. We're all over. We'll be back next week for the best in pro wrestling talk as we get you set for the road to WrestleMania. For Dave and Rock, I'm Ken. Good night, everybody.